I'll tell you what, we've already had a runner. I mean, we, who knows what else is going to take place today. But how many of you know in the presence of the Lord there is freedom and liberty? Amen. Amen. It's been just such an incredible, amazing weekend. It never ceases to amaze me how fast these things go once they start. It's like, how are we at Sunday morning already? But uh, it has been such a joy to be back with you. Pastor, I can remember how long ago it was when I was here as well, but um, just so blessed to be here. Um, I just want to say, John, that was an incredible message this morning. Um, I, I was watching it as I was getting ready and preparing, and it was so rich, so good. It, it ministered to me. It helped me about how the Lord's building his church and the power of a seed. I was asking him more questions about that pumpkin van when we got here, but it was so good. But um, John and Michelle, I just wanted to say thank you um, for being who you are all of these years. And the riches that we get to drink out of the wisdom and the faith and the lessons and the great patience and the sacrifices that you all have made, not just for how we've received from you this weekend, but being a part of the word of faith and and even our, our heritage that we're all woven into, what you have done for our family of faith. I just want to say thank you. And it means a great deal. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Pastor Mark and Tasha, you guys are just the bomb. You're just awesome. I mean, yes. If you don't like Pastor Mark and Tasha Bentliff, something's wrong with you. I mean, you just... Someone needs to check on your salvation. They're just the kindest, most genuine, wonderful people. And uh, I'm honored to call you my friends. And I'm honored that you would trust me with standing in this pulpit. I thank you for that. And uh, it's wonderful to be here on Pastor Tasha's birthday. And uh, it's such a joy. And it's it's just so funny how the Lord just takes care of, of little things, you know. But... Um, I was knew I was coming here, and I have a couple of gals that work for me that travel with me and uh, help me. And so one of them I had on assignment doing something, the other one couldn't come. And so I was just going, well, Lord, you know, who, who's supposed to be with me? And, uh, and he just dropped in my heart about asking uh, my friend, Kathy Tricoli, if, if she would come. And uh, I did, I have to let you in on a little secret. I happen to know that Pastor Tasha was a big fan of hers and her sister, Sean, for a long time that they have stories of going on road trips of just singing Kathy Tricoli songs at the top of their lungs. And so I thought, I wanna bring her and, and bless her. I didn't even tell Kathy that part. And, uh, but I didn't know it was Pastor Tasha's birthday on top of it all. So the way the Lord does things, and I know many of you know Kathy's music. She is a Dove Award winner, Grammy nominated. This is She's celebrating 40 years in music. She sang to thousands. She's done crusades with Billy Graham. She's done events in Central Park. I mean, her, her music and ministry has just touched so many lives. But I know we already sang happy birthday to Pastor Tasha, but how many of you believe Pastor Tasha should get the double anointing? So, Kathy, would you come and sing happy birthday 
Just sing a little happy birthday, if you would, well, to Pastor Tasha you. in your most oh anointed. Gosh. Well, let me just say, she said 40 years, so you know I was a child prodigy. I started at five. <laughs> can I just say, though, I was at the women's conference this weekend, and as you can imagine, in 40 years, I've sung all over the world and met many, many, many thousands of Christians and um, I have to say that when I, 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 I've been blown away by the manifestation of the Spirit of God amongst this family, you can worship, you can teach, you can preach, you can be in the Word, but not experience the character of Jesus in people. And I have to echo what Jen just said. What a blessing to meet these two couples. You're... Your pastors are amazing. You're a blessed group, and I just wanted to say that this morning. Really, really amazing. So here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tasha. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Well, that's all I've got. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Hasn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord? <laughs> I mean, if she did, if there was a second verse to happy birthday, we might have had another run. I don't know. <laughs> that was just awesome, awesome, awesome. I just, I, I have to tell you, it's been a lot of fun being friends with this precious woman of God and We'll be eating at a restaurant, you know, somebody will be having a birthday family dinner, and I know it's coming. She'll go, hold on, and she'll go over there, and I hear that voice singing happy birthday, and I'm, and then they're just beaming, smiling, and then half the time I look back over, and they're all praying together, and I'm like, I'm just over there feeding my face while she's doing the work of the ministry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many of you know God just, he's so sweet. He just does such precious personal things. And, uh, and it's just a privilege. Well, um, I want to just pray over this word this morning. I, I was telling Kathy that it's um, interesting. When I arrived on Friday, the Lord started speaking to me about this service before any of the others. And so I knew that he was very pointed about this time. And then hearing some things that have been shared, even what was on Pastor Tasha's heart, I thought, Holy Ghost, you clearly, there is a mission from the Father's heart that he wants to highlight and bring to our attention. So I'm going to just uh, invite you to lean in this morning as you so wonderfully do and just ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God would speak to you about this word that he has for us and how this is to imprint upon your heart, about how you do your life, and about how you, you view the days ahead. All right? So let's just pray. Father, oh, Lord, we just thank you, God, for the honor of living in a nation where we can come and gather in your presence and worship you. 
We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we thank you for this house. God, thank you for all of the faith and prayer and stamina and patience that it has taken to establish this church, to bring us in to this time. Lord, we don't take it for granted. We thank you for it. And so, God, as we come this morning under your name and your presence to hear from your word, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take your word and make it like a flame of fire in our hearts. Lord, we ask you for the fullness of your plan for this message this morning. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to think through my thoughts and speak through my mouth. And Lord, once again, we just invite you to come and we give you permission to invade the privacy of our heart, to speak to us. And God, if necessary, rearrange the landscape of our lives to put us into position for all that you have for us for this time that we are right now living in. And and we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen. Well, if you would open up in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 145. And um, I want to just speak to some things. We've made mention this weekend about the time that we're living in necessitates that we walk in the power that God has always said was ours to walk in. And that the world that we are, are living in right now, it demands it. That this is the time for we as believers and as the church to rise up and be who we've always said that we are. Amen. If not now, when kind of a scenario. And, uh, and that there's, there's power that we have to walk in. And I believe that the Lord is drawing our attention to one of his ways for that power operating and flowing through us. And it's come up, Pastor Tosh has referenced it, and I believe that that is through a a new type of coming together of the generations working together. Now, this is something that when I started doing what I'm doing, running with the mandate that God gave me, uh, it's just been, I've been in the full-time traveling ministry for just about 10, 11 years now. I've been in the full-time ministry uh, 25 years next year. And most of that time, I was on staff in the local church. I was a, a youth pastor, an associate pastor, and just kind of, you know, chief bathroom cleaner, you know, all the jobs that it takes. But when the Lord spoke to me um, and dealt with me about what I'm running with today, he gave me a mandate, and that mandate was to awaken destiny, to speak to the plan and the purpose of God on the inside of a person, upon a church, a city, a state, and even a nation. And how many of you know you don't start with nations, but if you're faithful, eventually he'll take you there. And, um, and so when I, when I launched into running with that mandate, one of the first things that the Lord dropped in my heart as sort of a protocol of heaven 
was this idea of, of the generations having an understanding that the greatest force that we were going to be in the earth was working together. And uh, I started speaking into those things. I've had the honor of, of ministering what I call generational synergy in uh, quite a few Bible colleges here in, in the States, at Christ for the Nations, and then at my alma mater, uh, Rama, the USA campus. And to see the importance of it, and I believe through the years, God's actually highlighted that more, and he's given us more insight, but it's always been important to me. And you can kind of see, ladies, that you were here at the conference, you've heard me talk about how the Lord started planting the seeds of that in me, even as a little girl, with my relationship with my grandmother. And, and really, she was training me for ministry. Grandmothers, grandfathers are very powerful in the hands of God, but she was really cultivating a broad place in me for the value of generational synergy. And it's something that I have made sure to pass on. The younger ones that have traveled with me, that work with me, I've spent a great deal of time, some of those that have been with me the longest, I have spent a great deal of time talking to them about that and, and, and imparting that and making sure that they watch me see what that looks like because I believe it is absolutely essential for this great campaign of God in the earth that we are living in right now. It's just not a nice idea that will give us warm, fuzzy feelings. It's essential for the power of God to flow. And we can see that it's essential because thieves don't rob abandoned buildings. In other words, the enemy doesn't make a play for things that don't matter. So everything the enemy assaults at his church is always to segregate us. If he can't do it racially, he'll try it politically. And there's a sneakier operation of segregation that tries to creep in in our mentality, even in the body of Christ, because it's prevalent in the world, and that is a generational segregation. That all of a sudden we have this idea that, you know, this, this ministry over there, well, they're real cutting edge because they're a young ministry. And then this, this church, oh, did you hear about that new church? Yeah, it's all young people. It's, it's really cool. It's really cutting edge. You know, this church over there, well, yeah, I mean, they're sweet, but they're all old people. And so he tries to segregate the generations, cutting off our supply line. So I want to speak to this this morning, and I want you to, to understand that this isn't just about the big picture of the body of Christ. This absolutely will affect and is affecting your life right now. But I want you to look here in Psalms 145, and there's a highlighting of this strategy in verse 3, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, One generation shall speak of thy works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Now, your Bible might say, shall praise thy works. Some says one generation will pass down your mighty acts to another, and there's different layers of meaning. Some of it is talking about the passing down of faith, what we believe to the next generation, and that's true. But I want you to understand that in the time of Israel, 
when they were moving in to take the, the promised land that God had given them, the Lord gave them strategy for doing this very specific thing. And what they would do is they would camp in a place. We talked about this this weekend where they had a, a time of camping before they moved in against an enemy. And, and uh, they would consecrate and sanctify and rededicate themselves to the plan, the plan of God. But then they would come together every generation and they would circle up and they would begin to praise and worship God. But what they would do is they would kind of get in a circle and sort of create a crossfire of declaring the word of the Lord and prophetic utterances back and forth. And it would get so strong, kind of like our corporate worship this morning. It would get so strong. It wasn't that the older generation said, now, this is the time that we talk. All you young ones, you sit over there and you watch how we do this. And it wasn't that the younger generations kind of stood up and said, well, we've got more energy for worship. You know, you older ones sit over there. No, they would actually gather in a circle and they would come together and they would have the worshipers and they would just begin and they would shout who God was and they would sing uh, songs that told the story of God bringing them out of Egypt and they would look each other eye to eye and they would declare these works and it would cause in the spirit like this tsunami, this crossfire of the power of God as they spoke the word of God and the people would rise in faith. And the unity that was among them was unbreakable. How many times do we see throughout the word of God that he's declared the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That was again a releasing of the synergy of the power of the generations coming together. You know, it's interesting because I was uh, called to a meeting a few years ago. Honestly, I don't know how I got invited, but uh, how many of you ever heard of Kenneth Copeland? Praise the Lord. So everybody, okay, I get it. So um, a, a few years ago, Brother Copeland, the Lord dropped in his heart to call a very uh, small meeting of about 15 uh, younger generation ministers and to call them to his ministry if we would come. And he just met with us in a boardroom and just poured into us all day long. How many of you know you needed a strong bladder anointing for that? And, um, but I remember Brother Copeland coming in. We were all gathered at this long boardroom table, and we, they kept the, the head seat for him, and we're all sitting, and he came in, and without anybody tell us, telling us, we all just stood like the generals come in the room, you know, and he's got those piercing eagle eyes where he, you feel like he's seeing into your soul, you know, and so he came in, and and for, I mean, all day long, he just poured into us. And one of the things he talked to us about was what God taught him about the anointing. And he said, listen to me. He said, there'll be some assignments that God gives you that he gives you to run with. He said, but many times there will be things that God's called you to that it's going to take more than you. You're going to need to sink arms with other generations in order to get the job done. And he said, here's how this works. He said, now, there's an anointing on me, Brother Copeland. He said, I know the anointing that God gave me. He said, but then there's also anointing on you. He said, now, if you and I team up, 
When we come together, the anointing on you and the anointing on me comes together and creates a new anointing that's never been before. And there are some jobs that God wants to get done in the earth. There's things that he wants to do that he's going to call you to team up, link arms with other generations. And when you do, it creates a synergy, a coming together that releases a powerful force that had never been before. He said, now let me tell you why that's so important multi-generationally. He said, you understand the Lord anointed me when he called me. He said, but we grow in that anointing. He said, the anointing that I was walking in in my 40s is not the same anointing that I'm walking in in my 70s. It's increased. He said, that's why the Lord needs us to live long and strong on the earth. Because he needs the maturing and the increasing of those anointings to get strong in the earth because he's got jobs for them. I'm telling you, there's powerful things in this. What does Ecclesiastes tell us? It says a three-chord strand is not easily broken. You think about that generationally. I want to just point out to you a few places throughout the word of God where we saw this, Exodus chapter 17, of course, we've heard it with Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. It took the three of them coming together to take new ground and new territory and expand the kingdom of God. I want to say, even in your lives and in your families, if you're blessed to have multi-generations in your families that know the Lord, believe the Lord, walk with the Lord, I'm telling you, you might be missing out on a force working in all your lives. If you, I don't know, maybe once a month, just come together as a family and say, let's just get in an agreement on some things. How about before the little ones in your family go to school, you call a family meeting, you know, eat some good food and say, all right, get all the little, all the kids going to school, come in the middle of the living room. Now, as generations, we're going to speak the word of the Lord and we're going to declare the protection of God on you. And we're going to, you talk about power. These are things we ought to get, get used to. In Judges chapter 4. When it came with dealing, pushing back oppression in the land, it took Barak, Deborah, and they called specifically for the tribe of Naphtali. It says that the tribe of Naphtali fought until they didn't even consider their own lives. Naphtali was a specific tribe because when Deborah and Barak asked all the tribes to send supplies for the fight, you know, some of them sent food and some of them sent horses but the tribe of Naphtali was set apart because they were known for raising up magnificent young warriors. I remembered when I was praying over the service, just came to me, hadn't recalled it. But when I was praying for the service this morning, I remember the Lord speaking to me about this house the last time I was here, that you were so much like the tribe of Naphtali. How many of you remember that? That there's a mandate upon you for raising up magnificent young warriors that would not even consider their own lives but give everything for the call of God. You are an unusual local body. And of all the tribes, they called for the tribe of Naphtali. It was Barak and Deborah and Naphtali that rose up and dealt with the oppression in that land, and they won. 
How about the miracle of, of Jesus? John mentioned this in his message, the, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And he called, they brought the little boy with the fish and the bread, and he gave his lunch, and he blessed it. How many of you know he was Jesus? He didn't need that little boy's lunch. I think he was showing us another picture, another layer here again of reaching out to a younger generation saying, hey, God wants to do something here, but he wants you to be a part of it. How many of you know that little boy was never the same? When he came home from playing that day down by the creek, well, honey, did you have fun? Mama, you won't believe what happened to me. How many of you know they were like, go to your room. You have got to stop this lying. But it was generational synergy was dealing with the supply that was needed and generational synergy was connected to God's provision for the task at hand. So what I want to say to you is that there is something God's doing in his body in pulling us together as generations is valuing it. He's bringing us into divine alignment so that he can release divine assignment. That's what God's doing in our midst. So I want to take a few minutes, if you'll go with me here, and I want to debunk a few generational myths. Okay, are you ready for this? You young ones, I'm going to help you out right now, okay? The younger gens, here's what's said about Generation Z, even the millennial generation. Well, you know, they're just uncommitted. They're so gifted but unteachable. They have a lot of vision but no work ethic. But I want to I speak up for the younger generation right now. They're the first generation to experience the always-on pressure of social media in their hands 24-7. They're the first generation to come of age amidst gender issues, school shootings, and unprecedented political unrest. They are trying to take their place amidst an international pandemic. But here's what Forbes magazine had to say about the younger generation. They are pre-wired to be highly collaborative. They are a generation known for their compassion. How many of you know it says Jesus was moved with compassion? They have a pragmatic attitude because of their technology knowledge about how to address problems and issues in our culture that we've never seen before. The sociologist that spoke to Forbes magazine said, with the right support and guidance of older generations, these generations could help solve many of the international problems of our day. There's something about these younger generations. They're hardwired for innovation and creativity. And rather than sending sounds and words of how they're not up to par. Maybe we could walk in some of that compassion 
about the things that they're traversing in that we didn't traverse in when we were at that maturity level and help pull them to their place. All right, older gens, are you ready? It's your turn. Well, you know, their time has come and gone. They're present but outdated. They're uncool. They're unable to contribute because they do not have knowledge of the trends. Don't throw anything at me, okay? (laughs) But I want to read to you a study that was just released in the New England Journal of Medicine. Are you ready? The second most productive stage of the human being is from ages 70 to 80 years old. The third most productive stage is from 50 to 60 years old. The average age of the Nobel Prize winners is 62 years old. The average age of the presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63 years old. The average age of the pastors of the 100 largest churches in the USA is 71 years old. This tells us in a way that it has been determined that the best years of our life are actually between 60 and 80 years old. Wow. This study in the New England Journal of Medicine found that at age 60, you reach the top of your potential and this continues well into your 80s. So I want us to just debunk some myths about the generations and maybe even shift some words that we say about them behind their back. There was a CNN article that discussed the decline of young people being a part of the church and Christians becoming extinct. This was a secular article. When they went through their studies, they said it was because of two reasons that they believe churches were declining. Number one, older generations not passing on the faith and raising up leaders. John spoke to that. Number two, because the younger are not so much atheist as they are bored. It is true. Bored with traditions. There's a beautiful miracle that Jesus did in Luke chapter 8. You don't have to turn there. It's the story of Jairus with his daughter. And, you know, Jay Iris came and found Jesus and said, my daughter's sick, would you come? And on the way, he got interrupted by the woman with, the, with an issue, the issue of blood, you know. And, and so then when he was finally moving on, they came and they told Jay Iris, don't bother him, your daughter died. And, uh, and Jesus looked at him and said, only believe. So they, they go to Jay Iris's house, and they get there, and everyone's weeping and wailing. The grief has begun. And, um, and Jesus said something of that younger generation. He said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And I feel that about this younger generation. They're not dead. They just have been lulled to sleep. And it's interesting because when you 
read um, all the accounts of what the Jews say and the, the more detail that goes into this story. You know, we know that Jesus went in, he threw everybody out, and he just took in three of his disciples. He threw out all the family members except the parents, and they, they went in and they surrounded this precious young girl, I believe representing a younger generation. And, and Jesus prayed for her, but Jewish scholars actually believe because he was a rabbi, he had on a, a prayer shawl, his robe that he was known for. And then when he took it, he laid it on her. Well, in the New Testament, that, that robe is significant of our righteousness in Christ that Jesus provided for us. What Jesus did signifying was he took that righteousness and he threw it on to that young girl who was not dead. She was just asleep and he called her to arise. And of course, we know that life came into her body. She opened her eyes and she sat up and she called for her parents. And the next thing that Jesus said was, give her something to eat. Don't feed her tradition. Don't make her go through the motions. Don't give her milk. One translation says, give her meat to eat. What he was talking to her was tell her who she is. Don't tell her what she's not. This isn't a generation that wants the mamby-pamby, watered-down, you-can-do-it self-help. They want to be told and need to be told who they are in Christ. Church, I believe that God is delivering his bride right now from self-righteousness. He's getting the self-righteousness out of us and off of us so that we will be ministers of reconciliation and righteousness again so that we will give this younger generation meat to eat so they will be strong and rise up not in who they are but on who they are in him. Amen. See, I believe that the body of Christ is still the strongest force of any nation. Stronger than any government, stronger than any president, stronger than any military force. It's the body of Christ if we'll rise up and be who God called us to be. I mentioned this at the women's conference, but really when you think about it, Joel's prophecy really is a picture of generational synergy. He said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy, will speak forth, will give forth what God's called, given them to say and called them to do. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. What is that prophecy a picture of? That generational crossfire they used to do in the Old Testament. John in his message mentioned when Jesus called the church forth, and I've ministered this before, when he asked that question and he said, upon the revelation of who I am, I will build my church. We know that he said the word ecclesia. The ecclesia was a Roman group that was sent in to a newly conquered territory. And as the Roman military was pulling out, having won the victory, the ecclesia would move in. And they didn't move in to just show up and go to church on Sunday. 
The ecclesia was made up of military men and artisans, and craftsmen, judges, and teachers. It was made up of, of rabbis, too, and they would move into that newly conquered territory and help them rebuild, but the teachers would help rebuild the schools, and now they would teach them through all Roman ways of educating. The, song, the songwriters and the artisans would create, but it would be infused with all Roman ways of thought. The judges brought in the new ju judicial system, and the rabbis would come in, and in a short amount of time, those people would have completely forgotten their old way of life. And not by imposing, but by influence, they would have shifted the culture to look exactly, mirror exactly Roman culture. This was the model that Jesus was using when he said, upon this revelation of who I am, I am building my ecclesia. When he said that, he wasn't picturing Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., now, make no mistake about it. There's no way even connected together we're going to go out and do anything that God's called us to do without being part of his body. But what I'm trying to say to you is this isn't the entire point. This is where you come to become all that God called you to be and said you always could be. This is where you come and mobilize as the body of Christ to move out. And then he'll send you teachers into the school. He'll send you businessmen out into the workforce. He'll send you government officials into politics. And you move in and out of the synergy of the body of Christ and in and out of the synergy of the generations. Some of these young businessmen and women, some of you older ones say, I see you. I've got your back. I'll teach you how to be a young champion in business. So greed doesn't eat your lunch. Some of you young ones that are going, I didn't have a good mom and dad. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a wife. I don't know how to be a mother or father. In the power of generational synergy, it's okay. Because if we'll carry this mentality, some of you older ones will come in and spot them and walk across the aisle after church and say, hey, can we take you to lunch? I remember trying to be a mama, getting three young kids to church. I know what it's like. Let me help you. Let me teach you what it's like to pray over your babies. Husband, let me show you what it is to honor your, your wife and not just complain about her. See, this is the power of the body and the family. But if we don't get out of generational segregation and step into generational synergy, we're going to miss the supply. See, a lot of things we're asking God for right now is actually resident in a person that's sitting in this room. And it's time we move into it. I want to pray this word over this house because I believe that partnered with that mandate and call upon who you're called to be to raise up leaders. Leaders that are called to traditional ministry. Leaders of, of every part of our culture. This church is called to raise them up. You've been doing it for decades now. But I believe that this stirring in Pastor Tasha's heart and Pastor Mark about the generations, this is crucial for you to fulfill your assignment. That each generation would bring their supply. So can I pray this over you right now?
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that in this house, Lord, you are building something and have built something that is meant to produce supernatural results. But Father, we recognize it is also being built to be an example. Father, we know someone always has to go first. Lord, I pray that in this new day, in the history of this church, Father, that there would be a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit upon this assignment. Lord, that it would come upon this body and go deep. Lord, I sense the increase in this house of your glory and your presence. But it's not stopping, it's only going deeper. So Father, I pray upon every man, woman, and child, everyone within the sound of my voice, those that are watching, that the weightiness of the presence of God would rest upon you now. Father, that generations, multi-generations would come together. Lord, that those new anointings would be created that have never been, that would do unprecedented, supernatural things. That through us linking arms, there would be a release of who you are and your power. Father, that even in this house, there would be a display of making you the focus and creating a place where you could come and be yourself. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, even in our families, in our own lives, ways that we can access and connect. Father, that there would be a giving and a receiving of strength. Lord, just as you said in the book of Ephesians that each joint would supply, oh God, that there would be strength to strength to strength, faith to faith to faith, glory to glory to glory. Do it in this house, God. Do it among us. And we thank you for it now. I want to just speak to just a couple of things, and, and I believe I'll be finished. But in prayer, since I got here, Jonathan, the Lord started speaking to me about you and the, the gift and the calling that's on you. And the Lord said that there is another new dimension that is waiting on you. And you feel the tug, the pulling of it. And there's an opening 
for you to access that personally. It's just a pressing in. But as you do that, there's something, Jonathan, that you will be an example of it and your influence will go far and wide and draw other worshipers and lead worshipers of your generation into it. You will help them break out of what's widely known of worship. And they'll hear you or watch you, and it will draw them into that dimension too. And so the Lord says, carve out, and he said, I'll help you. But he said, carve out personal time because you're going to get it by revelation. You'll get it by revelation. And because of that, you'll have it to give it to. Amen. So everybody just stretch your hands out toward Jonathan. Father, we bless the anointing and the gift and the calling upon him. We thank you for what you're leading him into. It's important, Lord. It's important. We thank you, Father, that you give him eyes to see and ears to hear and the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within him will rise up on the inside of him and walk him into this new dimension in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Uh, Pastor Mark and Tasha, um, I just sense, and this might already be happening, uh, in all the work that you do, um, there is an increase um, of the Lord using you all far and wide to re rehabilitate ministry gifts. You're known and so good at raising them and building them. But because of the time we're living in, there is almost like this, I see troops marching towards you and they're just broken and they're bleeding and they're limping, but they're just marching towards you going, somehow we just heard a sound that you can help us get back. And they're coming towards you and the Lord is going to supply the time and the energy and the effort for how to do what's coming towards you to do. So Father, we thank you that they have everything they need to re rehabilitate ministers and ministries in this day. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father. We thank you for it, Father. And, it, it, you know, if I could just say what I see uh, to you, John and Michelle, I was just so overcome with emotion this morning, it just thinking about all that you've sown all these years. And, um, and I just started praying for you, and I saw this huge fabric laid out in front of you that you have been so strategic in weaving all these years. 
And it wasn't that you took your hands off of it, but you turned and there was a new fabric that God put in your hands to work with and to do and to use. And it's, it's not that it's a, a changing of position, but an adding to. And that others would maybe question and go, well, what is this thing that you do? But you know it's by the Spirit of God. And it is for such a time as this. And he said, I'll take care of those that don't understand. Don't you worry about it. You just do what I've given you vision to do. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your work. We thank you for your words. We thank you, Father, for your movement in us and among us. Our eyes are on you. I hear you say it again. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. We say our eyes are on you. And we love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, Amen. God bless you, church. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Man, it's just incredibly powerful. And to understand generations, and I don't think she knows this, and if you've prayed with us uh, many times over the years, God will take a, I mean, like a week, a season, but almost, you know, inevitably a whole week where he digs down in in prayer that we can't let this generational gap take place here. And so that reminder, some instruction, some impartation that uh, we can't let that take place. It's so vital that we're connected and, uh, you know, you look around and there's young and there's old and that's on purpose. I'm not saying I did it on purpose. God's doing it on purpose. And so with all the pull and all the different things, we've been praying. I know we'll continue to, but it, it drills in. There's just times when we're praying, and we, it'll just drill in. Don't let that gap, that generational gap happen. I want it to be pulled together. So I believe it's very timely, very prophetic along with what God is saying. So we want to give heed always to the Word of God, but again, meditate on it. Find out what God's doing in us, how we connect the things that He's doing relationally to weave us together stronger. Amen? And uh, those things. Praise the Lord. We were taught the Word this morning, first service, second service. Um, God's just so good. Isn't He so good how He has put gifts in the body? Not just one, but gifts in the body so that they can equip us, strengthen us for our work of serving others, right? And so sometimes we think ministry, yay, but really that's just simply serving others. And so I believe that you are equipped in so many ways. We pay attention to that and, uh, again, recognizing your seed from this morning and being able to recognize what God's really put in your hand and how it's seed to sow in so many different areas than the generational things and connections that we have are equipping us 
in serving this generation. And so it says when we're taught the word, that uh, we make that value judgment. I know that you know this, but we have received something that as you hear it and receive it, and begin to, as you leave this place, cultivate it. Right? Not just go, wow, that was good. But cultivate it. It takes root in your life and begins to produce fruit, produce an outward result in our conduct, in our behavior, which then begins to affect others. So the value of it is not just, wow, what a great meeting today, what a great ladies' conference, but a change, transforming power. Right? Uh, again, talking about transformation, you don't want to miss tonight. Uh, transforming power of questions is what he's going to talk about. So we'll get even more. But this morning, as we as we receive the offering, we're making a value judgment. I've received something spiritual and eternal from that sower. And God's put things in my hand that I communicate to the teacher in these other material good things that God has put in my hands. I'm actually taking something of lesser value and communicating it to one who sowed something of great value into my life. When we see it the way God sees it and make that exchange, God begins to really work something in a multifaceted way to prosper you in a dynamic way. Because if you understand the value of it, we look at it, and John said this, I, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And so when we put the value on the prosperity of our soul, what God's put on the inside of us, our thinking, our response to that, it affects our body and it affects our finances. And so he, he starts to create something that's very powerful that covers our life. Amen? And so we're just going to take advantage, as Galatians says, of that opportunity right now. Uh, to give, to communicate with the teacher. So if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, uh, raise your hand. The ushers will get you an envelope. If you're giving by text, the number is up there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank you all once again uh, for coming and imparting to our ladies and the ladies of our region. I believe it will have an impact not just here, uh, but Ladies came from Wyoming and Olathe and just Steamboat and Craig and all over the region, so it'll have a great impact. So we thank you for that. And uh, then right here, praise the Lord, great atmosphere. So let's, uh, we ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what was imparted to us this morning in both services. We thank you for... Uh, your hand being upon each and every person as they embrace it, that you're causing things to take place, transformation and by your word as we allow you to be Lord over it, and there's changes. And that we have an opportunity right now to communicate from our heart with the teacher, with you, in our giving. And so as each one gives, we just declare and command the blessings of your word over each and every one of them. I thank you that there will be uh, things come upon them and overtake them. I thank you that the windows of heaven will be opened uh, over their life. I thank you, Father, that, that which they sow will come back in the degree that they have sown it. God, in such a great way that you prosper us and you bless us. And we thank you for that. I thank you that even from this place you've created 
resources that we might be a hub by which we can distribute resources in many different ways to be a blessing beyond this place. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. After the bucket has gone by, you can stand up with me. Praise the Lord. Once again, you don't want to forget tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be back together uh, having a great time worshiping God. And, uh, you know, that place where they came out of Egypt and they, uh, God spoke to Moses. He said, let's have church. Right? He said, gather them. And the Greek word, you have the Hebrew word, the Greek word is ecclesia. He said, let's gather for this purpose, for them to worship me, for them to hear my word, live by the authority of my word, and teach their children to do the same. Right? And so uh, tonight we're going to gather together. We're going to worship him. We're going to hear his word, learn how to live by the authority of that, teach others, teach our children that generational thing. It's going to be awesome. Uh, six o'clock tonight. Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.